Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome in another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's One Man's Opinion. Thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all, for downloading, subscribing, uh, commenting, leaving feedback, listening to this podcast. It is a passion project for sure, and I appreciate every single one of you with that. Um, I'm Jeff Mans. By the way, you find me every weekday afternoon, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, hosting the Elite Sports Show, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Going back to two hours, by the way, next week, everybody, on Thursdays, just so you know. Also, part owner, operator, chief content officer over at the Elite Sports Network, which we're combining. It, it is fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com, elitesportsdata.com. All of that is now going to be under the Fantasy Guru umbrella, all there on one site. So check that out at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Folks, I'm diving right in today because it's going to be, um, I am pushed for time. Um, a lot of stuff to get to today. It's a Super Bowl 56 preview, Bengals and Rams uh, chomping at the bit really to get going uh, on this one. There's a lot to dive into, a lot of information, a lot of details I want to pass along. So that's going to be the focus of this episode in the days and weeks ahead. We'll talk coaching searches, uh, all the NFL coaches, all the vacancies have now been officially Hired, uh, a filled, I guess, Dennis Allen going to moving up from defense coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, Mike McDaniel, uh, moving from San Francisco to uh, Miami, new head coach of the Dolphins, Lovie Smith, moving from defense coordinator to head coach of the Houston Texans, uh, Doug Peterson, since last we left off on this podcast, is the new coach for Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, of course, uh, Kevin O'Connell of the Minnesota Vikings. I think that catches us up. I'll get into that. A lot of great offseason content. We'll get into some baseball stuff as well. Obviously, I love to do the um, the overall you know life stories. We're going to a lot going on at the Elite Sports Network. Why we combine? We're going to have Rob Brink, our CEO, on here in the future episodes as well. We'll get a lot more guests going forward as well. I'd hope to have guests on this episode. Just couldn't make it work. This has been a busy week. It's one of those things where I don't know if you guys are aware. I make five, rate four radio appearances. Uh, um, you know, every single week during the NFL season, and we places like Miami and Pittsburgh and and all that. Um, and I had to redo those this week, so I'm doing that. I had live stream for the Hall of Fantasy League. Uh, a lot of extra stuff because it's the Super Bowl, And obviously this is, uh, you know, this is what matters and all of you listening. So it's just been condensed for time. So I'm going to dive in here and talk about this Super Bowl. A, a couple of things right out, out of the gate. Um, I would like to uh, party games. You guys doing parties this year, hit me up at Jeff underscore man's. How many of you are doing Super Bowl parties? And also how many of you didn't do one last year? Cause I didn't do one last year. You know, it was sort of, I won't want to say it was the height of the pandemic, but it was in the middle. It was a big outbreak here in Arizona. So I didn't, I am doing one this year. Um, so it's back to the party games, man. I love it. I'm in five different squares pools. I've got squares all over the place. We've, we're doing strip cards. If you don't know what a strip card is, this, the squares, that's a hundred, it's a hundred square grid. And you do AFC, NFC on one side, and you pick the numbers randomly, and these correlating square wins each quarter. Remember to do first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, final. Don't do fourth quarter because then people will complain if the game goes to overtime like it did back in Super Bowl 51 with the Falcons and Patriots. So be careful of that, everybody out there. Also, um, the strip card. If you don't know what strip card is, uh, I have all these. There are, It's a barroom game from back in the day. I don't I think it was heavy on the East coast, Chicago. I grew up with strip cards. You could also use a deck of playing cards. Just get a um, it's numbered zero through nine. So you take like a 10 and ACE, a, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And uh, the ACE is the one, of course. So 
and you flip them over and have people blind draw and whatever card they get, that's their number. And what we do with strip cards, it's just halftime and final. Okay. So let's say you put in 10 bucks, you have 10 people play and it's a hundred dollar pool, $50 to the halftime score, halftime to the final score. And the way you total those up, let's say you get a four. All right. Then if the score is 14 to nothing or 14 to 10 or 24, 20 or 24, 10, four and zero, you add those last digits up four plus zero is four. You win. If it's 24, 21, no, that's a four and a one, four and the 24, the one and the 21. And that's a five, the five wins. So on and so forth. And that's how you total compute the score. So, um, that is that, and that's how we do it there. That's a strip card. Uh, pass the cup, another game I've talked about a bunch of times where it's always fun. You put a dollar in, everybody at your party, you don't even have, you don't have to know anything about football whatsoever. Put a dollar in the cup, every play, you pass the cup left to right or right to left, however it works out in your, your setup. But you all have to be in the same room. So if you're watching in multiple rooms, you could do one for each room or, or just the people in your room, whatever. And, and for each possession, so on the kickoff, everybody put a dollar in. And then first down play, guy in the far left, gal in the far left, holds the cup, and then whatever, run. Joe Mixon, two yards. Then they pass it along, pass it along. Oh, they have to punt. Well, for the punt, somebody still holds the cup, the, the new person, and then it's new possession. It goes along every play, but every time the ball is turned over or a new possession. So, like, when the Bengals say they punt to the Rams, then everybody puts in a new dollar. You see, and then a new, and if it's intercepted, then it's another dollar. You see, and that builds up the pot. And what happens is whoever's holding the cup, as you pass it along for each play, whoever's holding the cup, when a touchdown is scored, you win the pot. You win everything in there. Now, you could play a little different where if it's a scoring play, if it's a, a safety, or if it's a safety gets 20% of the pot, field goal gets 30% or 50%, whatever you want to do, you could spice it up a little bit, but that's past the cup. Another party game. I absolutely love. Um, so we got that. There, there's a ton of other games. I've been talking about them on Sirius XM all week long uh, from bingo and blind draw fantasy DFS fantasy. Those games, most of you probably are aware of, but if you're in a group that doesn't know football or fantasy football very well, you could do a blind draw, call it the core four game. What you do is have everybody who comes in pick four names out of a hat and you have the kickers, you have the defense, you have everybody. Samaj P. Ryan's in there. Jake, bring out the noise, bring out the funk from the Rams running back. Everybody's in there and they pick and whatever. And then you total up the fantasy points at the end and whoever scored, whosoever team scored the most points, you know, whatever, five, 10, $20 entry fee. Um, and whoever scores the most wins. So it's another way to do it if you're in a fantasy-heavy crowd there as well. Um, prop bet games, I always do my ultimate pool where you, you're picking the coin flip and the first team to uh, score a touchdown, the first player to, to catch the ball, the first team to have a penalty, first challenge flag, halftime show, first song, you know, all that good stuff, all the way through the final score, MVP and all that. That's another version you can do. Uh, the ultimate Super Bowl pool. I've been doing it for over 20 years now. And it's always a, a crowd favorite. I'll be doing it this year as well. So, you know, those are some of the games you can do, some of the things you can do to control your own vibe at your Super Bowl party. Hope you guys are having fun, get some food, enjoying yourself, especially if you didn't do it last year. We all deserve this nice sort of ending the crowning crown jewel of the football season here. And I, I think we all deserve that mightily. So there you go. Um, what a, let's dive in. I mean, the Rams and the, the Bengals, this is an interesting matchup of teams that don't play each other very often, of course. And they've kind of, the Rams have been very good for a long period of time. Right. So it's not like, uh, they're any stranger to the Super Bowl. This is their fifth Super Bowl, the second under Sean McVay, as a matter of fact. So they're accustomed to winning or at least being a, a winning franchise, whereas the Bengals, absolutely opposite. You know, they've been downtrodden. They've been beaten up. They've been uh, drafting at the top of the draft, which is how they got Joe Burrow in recent vintage in recent years. So teams that have been on opposite ends of the spectrum, especially as of recently, 
and uh, I finally get to square off. I love it. The for the Bengals, we know they've been around since 1968. They, however, when you look at the overall records, they're 26th in the NFL in all-time winning percentage, just 44.9 percent winning percentage. Terrible. This will be their third Super Bowl. Other appearances in 1981, 1988, both of those against the San Francisco 49ers. It, uh, interesting thing there is both um, Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason, the two quarterbacks that have taken the Bengals to the Super Bowl previous to Joe Burrow, they both won the league MVP in those years. Anthony Munoz, Chris Collinsworth on both those Super Bowl teams in the 80s. My favorite was the 88 team with Icky Woods. I love that one. This year, the... Bengals, it was an up and down year, you know, started out a big, big win in week one um, against the Minnesota Vikings. Then I went to Chicago. They lost to my bears 20 to 17, a game which the bears were kind of beating the hell out of them. And they came back and that was sort of a precursor to the whole season. Bengals are that team. And don't worry if you bet on them, you can't count them out. Just like the AFC championship game. This is a second half team. That's what the Bengals do. You know, they were seventh in points score. By the way, that's interesting. Both Bengals and Rams had the exact same amount of points scored during the regular season. How weird is that? And it's not like they were both number one, two, or three. They're both seventh, which is just, uh, you know, an odd thing as well. So, um, you know, 460 points is what each team scored. The Rams with a plus 88 point differential, whereas the Bengals had a plus 84 point differential. Again, very common, very similar teams, even though the Bengals finished 10 and seven and the Rams finished 12 and five. The Bengals uh, offensively were seventh in points, as I mentioned, 13th in yards, total yards, seventh in passing yards, seventh in passing touchdowns, 23rd in rushing yards, though, 14th. In rushing touchdowns, 26 in yards per carry on the ground. That was, it's a disappointing year running the ball, even though Joe Mixon, from a fantasy standpoint, had been solid. Overall, just not very efficient would be the term. On defense, 17th in points, 18th in yards, surrendered, 26th in passing yardage, uh, surrendered as well. So, sixth or was that seventh worst? In the league, 13th only in passing touchdowns allowed, 5th in rushing yards against, 14th in rushing touchdowns allowed, and 13th in yards per carry on the ground. So that paints the picture. Pretty obvious. You throw the ball against the Bengals. You you got to attack these corners. And, you know, the corners here and safeties, for that matter, in Cincinnati are definitely the weak spot. It's They have a good pass rush, right? Like Trey Hendrickson. And company, these guys have been very effective at getting to the quarterback, putting pressure onto the quarterback uh, as well. But uh, when the protection is there for the offense and these corners and safeties, Eli Apple and Jesse Bates and Von Bell, these guys are expected to cover for long periods of time. Well, things break down, which is why they give up so much. So that paints a picture of what the Rams need to be doing right doesn't it it just kind of screams at you matt stafford cooper cup odell beckham van jefferson these guys are going to be very important to the outcome of the game on the Rams side um as far as the uh Cincinnati bengals go again uh you know for According to Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Focus actually rated the Cincinnati Bengals lower 23rd against the run this year. Meanwhile, that their pass coverage was graded higher, 23rd best overall. I should say, better way to say that is 10th best in the National Football League. However, DVOA would say a little different, where their overall defense is 19th, 24th versus the pass. 13th against the run i tend to trust that side and let the numbers let the number this is where you're doing one game this is what you need to be doing for every game all year long if you want to get a true context of what you expect you need to break it all the way down where are the matchups because this is what the coaches do the entire staff players that's what they're doing and then they're isolating one-on-one matchups All right. That's what they, every single team in the national football league does. They find where the strengths and weaknesses are. They tend to stay away from the strengths of the defense and attack the weaknesses and vice versa uh, on the defensive side of the football. 
So on offense, the Bengals 15th DVOA passing, 20th running uh, the football. So again, a little bit of a, I guess, better passing the ball, Joe Burrow. And that's not a big surprise. Although I think that with Joe Mixon in that presence, we'd think that the Bengals would have been better at running the football. They just didn't play with a lot of leads this year. And they played a lot of catch up, which is crazy. They were the sixth worst uh, pass blocking unit in the national football league this year. That according to pro football focus, and uh, they were a little bit better offensive line wise against the run where they were uh, 20th overall 20th best against the run. So, uh, or run blocking along the offensive line. So, um, you, you know, you need to run against the Rams. In my opinion, you don't want to set them up. The Rams, the numbers suggest they're tough to run against. They're um, fifth overall DVOA, sixth against the pass, fifth against the run. The numbers this season for them defensively, at least, they were 15th in points allowed. Um, you know, so they given up. They went from first to 15th without Brandon Staley with Raheem Morris there. 17th in total yardage given up, 22nd in passing yards against second in passing touchdowns. Only sixth in rushing yards allowed, but 23rd in rushing touchdowns. Fifth in rushing yards per attempt. And when you dive in a little bit, deeper to these numbers you start to realize that okay the you know why do they break down in the red zone well you know i guess you can call it better play calling but traps and counters against the rams work fantastically problem here is they ran the bengals ran the eighth least traps and counters combined in the NFL this season, they do a lot of halfback leads, tosses. I hate the halfback toss. And I noticed that in the playoffs too. They run wide a lot. And you look at how the Rams defense is built and what they've done specifically in upgrading, you know, guys they've brought in. We know Aaron Donald. All right. He gets all the credit and all deserved. He's the best in the league, right? TJ Watt this year, but Aaron Donald year by year, but you get guys like Leonard Floyd. And then you bring in Von Miller and you guys, you could run right at him. You run right at those fuckers. Just run right at him. These players, Floyd and Miller are pass rushers. They they're long. They are lean and they get under offensive tackles. That's why they're great on the edges. Floyd is great when you play like Kyler Murray and you, you, you that pass rusher that could either rush or stay his ground and swat the ball down. Like he's Godzilla. I mean, that's what Leonard Floyd is a giant of a man. Those moves that they've got improved the pass rush. So the pass rush combined with the coverage. Now that Taylor Rapp is back their their safety, which he, him going down is why they had to go out and get Eric Weddle in Los Angeles. Okay. And then you got Jalen, Rieger or Jalen Ramsey, Rieger, what the hell am I talking about? Jalen Ramsey, who I'll talk about a little bit on where he, who he's going to cover and where he's going to line up this, this coming week. So um, what this, if the Cincinnati Bengals were smart and I'm not sure that they are, that's my problem. I don't think, I don't think Zach Taylor last couple of years, I didn't see any real jumps out of him or this coaching staff whatsoever. I saw players developing and sure the coaches deserve as much credit in the world for that as possible. But Joe Burrow's kind of been a winner and he's got his boy Jamar chase. And there's a lot of sloppy offense being played where those two athletes just overcome everything. T Higgins and Joe Mixon in there as well. So from a coaching perspective, schematically, the advantage is clearly in the Rams side because as bad of a play caller and as bad as a challenge flag thrower and timeout user as Sean McVay is, and he is fucking terrible at all of those things. He is very, very good at initial game plan, scripting and play design, right? Having pulling defense, especially in the passing game, but he does it in the running game too pulling a defender away from where the action's going to be. 
you wonder how does Cooper Cup get this open? Well, it's because they pray out, they know what safeties want to do. The key to defense in the National Football League, really at every level, and they don't ever teach you this because nobody realizes it. It's all about the safeties. Everybody else, you could line up, you can line up one-on-one. And offensively, you can figure, okay, Aaron Donald, we're going to need two. We're going to keep the running back in. We're going to put a sixth offensive lineman in. You could do things understanding you need two guys on this man. And then you stagger everything up where one-on-one matchup, you're like, okay, we have advantage here, advantage here, not so much there. So the quarterback, when you know, after the initial double team, the quarterback says, okay, I've got to be accountable for this guy because the, on the defense, because he's got an advantage over this offensive lineman or this gap or, you know, how say you, and, and that's the way you read it there, but you know, on offense. So you also, if you do enough study, you realize what the tendencies are of these safety. The safeties are the ones that fill in the gaps and make up for all the misses and all the uh, uh, negatives on the defensive side of the ball. If you can pull them out of the action, if you could run, trips to one side get all that have them all run you know out routes dig them all the one side of the field and have one-on-one with cooper cup versus your you know chidobia wuzier or something like that you know that's a matchup you want to attack and that's what sean mcveigh does it there's a lot of like old school premises in his new school approach a lot of vince lombardi like vince lombardi did it in the running game and that's the thing he did he, he just believed in I'm going to the offense will figure out a way to have more people, physical specimens in front of the ball carrier. And that's all it was. It wasn't that profound, but it was effective because he taught it well. And that's, that's sort of the Sean McVay thing, but in the passing game, and he just always gets the matchups that the quarterbacks it's to the quarterback's favor. Now Stafford has done a great job trying to fuck it up. No question. He will turn the ball over, which is Cincinnati defensively is outmanned. They're outgunned. There's just too much with the, there's too much offensive firepower on LA to, for the defense, specifically in the run game. You look up front at the Bengals team and, you know, they stopped the the run real well. It's the reason they do is they got big guys like Cam Sample and Sam Hubbard, and uh, um, DJ Reader in the middle taking up space, but guys like Trey Hendrickson and uh, um, uh, Blanken on the linebacker. Um, uh, shit, I'm totally blanking, but they fill the gap. The outside linebacker. Um, God damn it! Who? Oh, Logan Wilson is, is that uh, third round pick from a couple of years ago? And these guys are good. They're good pass rushers, but they're good run stoppers too. You know, they they play. They're all they're well rounded. Hendrickson's the guy they signed this off season from new Orleans. And you thought, all right, maybe he's just a, a, another one of those Dennis Allen system guys, but he's really not. He's been so incredibly effective this season and been a huge plus that offense. It's funny because in the draft guide over at fantasyguru.com, I remember writing, I'm like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the Bengals are doing on defense. I genuinely had no freaking idea. I don't know what their the plan is. I don't know what they're going to be good at. And it took me most of the year. Those of you who are with me for the daily fantasy football season, you know, I didn't really attack the Bengals very much because I was never really sure on what this defense was together. And I don't, and based on the results, that was good analysis simply because, well, fucking they're, up and down season, you know, as I mentioned, you know, losing to teams like Chicago, uh, you know, and the New York jets early on in the season, um, this team got better as the year went on. Right. And I, I believe both of these teams, by the way, are in Super Bowl 56 because they never stopped going. They both played in immensely tough divisions, right? Very tough divisions. And every game for them was kind of a sweat. I mean, the Bengals barely beat the fucking Jaguars on Thursday night football earlier in the year. Right. I mean, that was a game they had to sweat out. Um, They handled, uh, they beat up on the Ravens. They beat up on the Steelers, you know, two perennial powerhouses in the AFC North. They beat the, 
the uh, Broncos, Ravens, Chiefs all took the 49ers and a NFC finalist to overtime in, in a late in the season, the month of December, they had to play nothing but bangers teams that were desperate and they came out of it pretty good overall beating the chiefs, beating the Ravens. That's how they, that's how they got here. And the Rams were similar. The Cardinals were in control of the division. Um, it looked really good to start for the Rams. And then it sort of gotten bumpy. They lost to the Titans, lost to the 49ers, had a bye week, lost to the Packers, right? It's like three losses in a row. All of a sudden they're seven and four. Okay. Then they got a little bit friendlier schedule with the Jaguars, Seahawks, Vikings, uh, but beat the Arizona Cardinals, which was ultimately what led to them winning the division and beat a talented Ravens team late in the year as well. So, you know, and then Cardinals, Tampa, and San Francisco, they, they deserve their shot here. They had to battle. It didn't come easy. It wasn't a soft schedule for it. For Cincinnati, you would have expected a soft schedule because they're playing a last place schedule and a bunch of teams that weren't supposed to be any good. And some of those teams turned out to be much better and didn't help that they had to play the um, AFC West at all in Denver and the Chargers, the, uh, and the Kansas city chiefs and the Raiders, by the way, early in the season, right. That didn't help anything at all um, with that help. I guess the NFC North helped a little bit, even though they lost to the bears, you know, they barely beat the Vikings in week one, but lost to the bears. So I just believe in battle testing. I believe you get stronger with competition. That's something that people don't talk about nearly enough. Anyway, um, for the Rams on offense, seventh in points, as I mentioned, ninth in total yards, fifth in passing, second in passing touchdowns, 25th in rushing yards, 28th in rushing touchdowns, 25th in yards per attempt on the ground. So both these teams have struggled running the football. Very electric passing games, but running the ball. And it'll it'll be interesting to see. Cincinnati will come out and run. That's just what they are and who they do and what they do. The Rams notoriously pass into the red zone and then love running inside the red zone. That's what they historically love to do. And we saw some of that because that end of season stretch for LA was Sony Michelle dominating line of scrimmage, picking up four yards of carry and just constantly in, you know, melting the clock off. So the defense didn't have, that much of a sweat, right? And that was that's important. It's always been important, Sean McVay offenses. Think about Todd Gurley, how vital he was in that first Super Bowl run, you know, and getting them to be a winning team in that Super Bowl run. And then he, he fell off, okay. But, um, you know, even C.J. Henderson that year when Gurley got hurt, think of how effective he was. So you know, Los Angeles going to try to run inside the red zone. That's where can the Cincinnati Bengals – hold them down can they keep them to field goals we get into a game of field goals we know that it's going to favor the Bengals and Evan McPherson because Matt Gay has been very erratic of field goal kicking and mostly because he's been hurt this is a guy that nobody's talking about had a right hamstring injury two weeks or three weeks whatever five, four weeks now ago suffered before the first playoff game, second playoff game against Tampa and came up short on several of his kicks as well. So he doesn't have the range that a McPherson has, even in a dome in a controlled environment, you know, he's been very effective 32 or 34 on field goals this year, but doesn't have a big leg. Greg Zerline used to have in LA back in those days. So the Rams are going to have to get in, All right, They're going to have to get in on the Bengals. I can't, just make it to the 35. You got to think a close game favors the Cincinnati Bengals because that's what they've played all season long. They've thrived in it. Joe Burrow being that second half quarterback is something he did in a national championship game at LSU. He did it that whole 2019 season at LSU, just where he's comfortable. He's just super comfortable in sort of that's once he has information, once he knows more about an opponent and how they're trying to attack him and stop him. He's just better for what I, I mean, whatever reason it is, that's just how it is. And the numbers all bear that out as well. And, you know, Joe Burrow with a 73% completion percentage in the fourth quarter this season, 122.1 quarterback rate in the fourth quarter of the season. I mean, numbers do not lie. 
right? They're just better as the game gets going. And you look at the yards per uh, uh, yards gained per play, they're double in the second half for the Cincinnati where they were in the first half. You got three point, uh, I'm sorry, 2.3 and to 4.6 in the second half yards per play. I mean, that's, that's a shit ton, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's all big difference in how this offense performs from one half to the other. Burroughs quarterback rating overall, 104.8 in the first half, 110.7 in the second half. Not a huge difference there. I will say that the one of all the good numbers in the second half compared to first half, the one thing that does stand out is that he has thrown eight second half interceptions compared to five in the first half. Not a huge discrepancy, but I know from somebody watching that game, it's the same thing Matt Stafford at Burrow throws bad interceptions. I talked about it after the Tennessee game. And this Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Vaughn Miller pass rush. If the Bengals get down as it's expected to be, this Joe Burrow, you're going, if you're a Cincinnati fan, you want him taking sacks. You want, I know you don't want him to get hit. I know you worry about the front. I get it. But this is the Super Bowl. And when he takes sacks, he doesn't turn the ball over. It's weird. He, he his interceptions uh, go down. He is uh, when getting sacked two or more times in a game out of the 13 interceptions he's thrown two or more times in a game, he gets sacked. He has, he he's thrown four interceptions. I'm sorry. No, it's opposite. A two or less is four. The less than greater than seven. I always fucks me up. And that's the, he's thrown four interceptions. The other nine interceptions have come when he is sacked to, or, or, or he's sacked less than two times in the game. That's where he's trying to get rid of the ball. And I was praising him early in the season for getting rid of the ball, identifying where the pressure comes from, finding the hot route receiver, which was primarily Jamar chase. All this was very, very good, but those absolute fucking killer interceptions those were not good. Those were game killers, especially early on in the season. And when you got Jalen Ramsey and Taylor Rapp and even Eric Weddle back there, some ball hawking defensive backs, front seven gets pressure on him. If he's not going to take the hits or gets tired of taking hits and he decides he's going to start winging and throwing it up, that's where Joe Burrow will come unglued and the Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl run is over. Okay, so those are key, key elements. And what the Rams have to do and the Bengals have to do in game to be effective offensively for LA. I believe I strongly believe uh, in my ratings, by the way, when we're talking about running the football, um, you guys know the Rams have a 6.4 advantage. I'll call it 6.4% advantage. Um, running the football against the front seven of the Cincinnati Bengals, even though the Bengals are good. So that, the, it would never in a regular slate of football, if we had 12 plus games or 11 plus game, that would never even come close. That would actually be a bottom. That would be one of the worst of the uh, regular day. However, the Bengals running against the Rams because of the methods that they run these halfback leads and tosses and sweeps that are just fucking terrible against the Rams. Okay. When you're doing that, you got to run to the edges. Those are like the, uh, um, um, the counters and traps, I've mentioned it already. They're a minus 20.8 disadvantage. So the Bengals have a disadvantage running the football against the Rams <laughs> unless they call different plays. But again, when you're betting on the game, when you're prognosticating the game, even when you're telling your buddies, it's not smart to say, this is where a lot of my fellow analysts get in trouble. They start to guess, oh, no. I, everybody knows they're going to do this. So they're going to do that. No, they don't ever do it. I mean, it's, it's rare. Belichick is rare. Bella, Bill Belichick's the only coach we could certifiably, we know what he's going to do pretty much every single time. He'll always add a wrinkle here or there. It's never perfect, but we know he's going to take away the, the run game on a heavy run team and pass a certain receivers. He, he will attack your strengths. That doesn't happen. You would think it would, but it doesn't. That's why I'm hitting 60% of bets and I'm up 40 units and 
I had a monster profitable DFS campaign yet again, won three fantasy football championships and was aligned in a lot of these good situations, including Burrow, including Jamar Chase, Jalen Hurts, Austin Eckler, some of my good calls this year. It's because you you lean into what the coach is going to want to do and what they're going to do. So the idea, will Zach Taylor, will uh, Brian Callant, will these guys decide, oh, we're going to trap and we're going to counter with Joe Mixon? Sure, maybe. But I wouldn't put my money on it, neither should you. All right, so that's that's the key elements there. So playing a Joe Mixon in DFS, nothing wrong with it. The short yards, the thing, good thing about Mixon is he doesn't share the backfield with anybody, even though Samaj P. Ryan did get that long touchdown, kind of a fluke play uh, last week. But again, and or two weeks ago, I had him that week. I talked about he was in my DFS write-up for that very reason, because nobody else would. So you got to be a little bit different. So I don't mind playing Mixon. And in a showdown slate and daily fantasy, everybody's on the table. You can't ignore anybody, right? But if you're going through that, I, it's hard for me to think that it's going to be Joe Mixon. You know, it, it, short yardage touchdowns are what you're going to want to do. There's nothing wrong. Remember, in a showdown slate, you don't have to have a certain – amount of uh running backs you don't have to even use any of these running backs use all receivers which is kind of what i think was the best build there is as a matter of fact so i talked about the in the trenches i want to talk about the coverages the worst corner in this game is chadubi chadobi awuzie former dallas cowboy current cincinnati bengal uh and he's going to draw he's going to land in coverage mostly with odell beckham jr and this one, not a ton. I mean, they they play all over the field. So, you know, Awuzie um, doesn't, but the receivers move all over for Sean McVay's offense. Awuzie plays on the right side every single time, um, whereas Eli Apple plays on the left side, and you get Mike Hilton in the, in, the, in the slot. So Mike Hilton, veteran guy, and we've seen him make big plays for this Bengals defense. He's going to get Cooper Cup with an assist, obviously, from Von Bell and that, that strong safety. So we're going to get a lot of, um, of that. And obviously, Rams are going to target Mike Hilton, especially because Hilton just doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the size either. It's another problem with Hilton. Always plagued him when he was in Pittsburgh. They would play him on the outside a lot, and he'd have to face off against big receivers that would just body him. So those were problems, but Awuzie is the number one. He's going to draw about 44% of the time Odell Beckham. He's going to get about 35% of the time Van Jefferson. And he'll get some Cooper Cup, maybe roughly 20%-ish. So um, that's the worst. The, the second were Dante Dion for the LA Rams. And that's a situation where now when we get into coverages here, this is where we're going to see what the fuck is Jalen Ramsey made of. Who Jalen Ramsey, as I've said it a million times this year, he constantly bows out of coverage. Constantly does it. Just absolutely. When you think he, there's no reason for Jalen Ramsey not to shadow Jamar Chase. You're the bit. You're the big bad wolf. You're the big strong guy. You're the biggest, the best shutdown corner, highest paid corner in football. Prove it. You need to prove it. Because as the, you know, when and if the um, uh, Rams blitz and you get those you know, massive hot routes where we know 68% of the time that ball is going to fucking Jamar Chase. When you know all this, you need great one-on-one -on -one coverage. And it, it, that has not been the Ramsey. He will start out on a strong receiver he, then he moves around, he moves around, he moves around, and he doesn't move around to where the ball goes. That's what you'd think. That's what he wants. A lot of people want you to think that, and I noticed that in the press and other places. They want you to believe that Ramsey's going to be on, you know, oh, wherever the ball's going, I'll be there. He doesn't. No, he doesn't. He bows away constantly. Fucking constantly he does that. So um, there you go. Rams blitz at 26.6% of the time. So, you know, I think it's 13th, 14th most in the National Football League. So nothing crazy. And personally, I don't think they're going to blitz a lot in this game. 
I don't think we're going to get a ton of hot rod opportunities. We'll, you know, that always can make a big play because he's Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow will go to him with the ball. But I, I think the Rams will want to play this straight up. Dante Dion is one of those reasons because you get Tyler Boyd against Dion in the middle. That's a real good matchup for Cincinnati. That is, we know Ramsey will move around, but if you can just, I would have, I would isolate Jamar Chase. The Bengals have the T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. They've got the horses here to sell off Jamar Chase. If Ramsey's going to be on, put him one-on-one on the outside because if you put Ram or you put Jamar Chase on the outside against Dion or Darius Williams for that matter, Darius Williams is five foot eight corner. That's a that's a great matchup for Jamar Chase. That's gonna you need safeties to help. And then you, if you they bring in David Long, Dion here in the in the middle, um, it's gonna be Dion most likely against Tyler Boyd. That's a tremendous matchup for the Cincinnati Bengals. Then you put Jalen Ramsey on the other side against T Higgins or wherever you force Ramsey to go to Jamar chase. If that's the case, you got Higgins on Darius Williams, another six, four receiver versus a five, eight corner, right? Another situation like that. Or uh, you get Tyler Boyd against uh, uh, Dante Dion in the slot. Those are great advantages. So your move, Rams, that's what I would be saying if I'm Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and Joe Burrow. Um, Eli Apple, we know to attack him. He's going to see a bunch of Van Jefferson. And by the way, by the way, also with Ramsey, attack him deep. If you have to draw safety to the other side to help out Jamar Chases, they're absolutely going to have to do. They also like to bring pressure with safeties in L.A., which is why they get burned on deep balls. And you can hit Ramsey. Because Ramsey wants the ball hawk. He wants to be the playmate. He wants the interception in the Super Bowl. Out and ups, double moves. Oh, man. You, you've, um, the old uh, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, the back shoulder, but fake the back shoulder and up. Those plays would work very well against Jalen Ramsey, especially in a game this big. So I like Tyler Boyd. That's my sneaky little play right there. Uh, probably my favorite of the six wide receivers on the board. I love Cooper cup, love Jamar chase. It's hard not to, it really is. You're going to have to be different though, especially in DFS folks uh, in where you're assigning your, how you're building your lineup. I like receivers on Cincinnati more than Joe Mixon and the running back. Cause I think they're going to have to throw and throw a lot, especially if they're in comeback mode, which is sort of the game flow I'm anticipating here. All right. Um, the others obvious on the ramp side, all three of these guys, Jefferson, Beckham, and Cup, all in play. It's hard to get away. I think you have to play Cooper Cup just to protect against that 35-point game. All right, Matt Stafford never played in a Super Bowl before. Neither is Joe Burrow. But what Stafford does is constantly he, – he leans on one receiver in big games. He leans on him, leans on him, leans on him. All right, so that's – it's hard to get away from Cup. I kind of lean one – receiver for the Rams and two of the Bengals as far as your build is concerned. Um, I also remember Sean McVay at Super Bowl uh, three years ago when he was so freaking conservative. He knows Matt Stafford is turnover prone. And I think that he's going to, if and when they get a lead again, my expected game flow Rams get off to a lead. I think that they sit on the ball. They run the ball a lot more. So I think a guy like Sony Michelle becomes very interesting. Cam Akers becomes very intriguing here as well. Cam Akers, because of his use in the passing game too. So um, I think Michelle is a, Michelle is a worthy leverage play in DFS just because Akers would be so highly owned, makes them be highly owned. Not that many will do Michelle. Michelle, in the red zone is where they've done it. Even in the NFC championship game, they had a lot of Sonny Michelle in, in there and he didn't get in, he had a couple of carries from inside the five yard line. But I think that was very telling on how they will use him and Cam Akers fumbling problems. You can't injury problems and fumbling problems. You just can't, can't have that, you know? So um, I think he's the leverage play right there. All right. So I think I've gone in the trenches enough with you. You guys want to know, all right, man, it's enough of the shit. Who am I playing? Who am I sitting? All that good stuff. Uh, Let's get to it. Let's get to our betting. 
I haven't talked a lot about the prop bets and things. I don't like to go crazy on prop bets. I will fully admit, if you've followed my work for a long period of time, I used to love it. I used to love betting the anthem, the color of Gatorade and shit like that. But I'm just speaking from my own behalf. I think I'm too good now. I know the bets. I know the lines. I know these things too well. And I don't want to throw money after guesses. I don't think we have to do that anymore. So I'll take you through it. I, I, I do not like the minus four spread of the game, right? That, this is where I would go alternate spread, and it, it's not a it's not gonna win you a ton of money, but I like the Rams minus two and a half at minus 160. Like that's where I'm at as far as this is concerned. I don't like the three and a half. I don't like the four. Uh, the Bengals being that strong second half team worries me. They could come back. They could overtake it. I do think this is, this could be a real close game, even if the Rams go out and score and score early. I just think the Bengals won't stop. All right, so that's why I'm going to alternate spread and go with the Rams minus the two and a half. Yes, I'm minus 160, but again, I've talked about this in a lot of places. Don't worry about that shit. Don't, you're winning money. That's going to be a winning bet, right? Rams are going to win this game. And I want to know, I want to publicly declare because you're, I am rooting for the Bengals. I want everybody to know that. Not because I have anything against the Rams. I actually like the Matt Stafford story, like the Georgia Bulldogs. I like, you know, Cam Akers, my guy. I mean, fuck, man. I have a Cam Akers shirt. I just love the Joe Burrow. I love the story. I love the organization that's never won a Super Bowl before. I love the whole thing. So, I'll be wearing the Joe Burrow shirtsy. My son will be wearing his jersey. I'll be rooting it, but I think the Rams will win. Okay. Money and heart, two different things, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, that's the way I lean on that. If we're going for alternate point total, I do not have a good read on the overall points. You know, it should go over these totals. That's, That's what it should do. So when you're looking at like a what, 47 and a half, 48 and a half, I think is where it's at now. Oh, I would rather go down to like a over 41 and a half over 43 and a half. Now that's a minus two ten um, on that bet. So that's a little too much to give up. I, this is these defenses, the Bengals long drawn out drives. They take long periods of time. They did that against Kansas City. I could see them doing it again. The Rams will sit on the football. I strongly believe they have a lead. So even though the over is the tastiest thing here at 48 and a half, I don't love it. And then when we get down to the alt spreads, the best alt spread is over 45 and a half, but does that, that really doesn't give us much relief. You know what I mean? It doesn't. So I, if I had to bet, it would be the over. I'm not, I'm not going to do that though i'm not gonna bet that that's just something i didn't i don't want to do uh as far as i'm not gonna bet that that anytime touchdown scorers i love doing these types of bets i'm not betting cooper cup i mean he's minus 170 as i sit here that's ridiculous the fact that he's so highly that you gotta bet some of these other uh ram receivers van jefferson at plus 300 odell beckham at plus 140 i've told you odell beckham at plus 140 is the better bet in my opinion, I, I like Jefferson at plus 300, though. It gives you a nice bang for the buck. Those are the bets that I like. Jamar Chase is a plus 110, absolutely. He doesn't have – this is a game – I've been good at calling Jamar Chase. Touchdown game, yardage game, touchdown game. This is a touchdown game, not a yardage game, in my opinion, for Jamar Chase. All right? And then the Tyler Boyd plus 230. I like all of those, to be honest with you. If I had to choose one anytime touchdown – um here you know what I'm, I'm probably going to go oh boy i'm not you know i'm gonna go chase at plus 110 i'm gonna go chase plus the 110 just because i'm getting plus money on it and he likes to throw the ball up whereas boyd doesn't do the jump balls they don't throw those to him and that's where jalen ramsey will hang out in the middle of the field in the red zone so i don't love i like it I just don't, it's not the optimal choice is where I'm going. The other, some of the other prop bets that I love, 
you got to bet Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdowns. It's at minus 145 right now on FanDuel. Get it. Get it fucking immediately. Joe Burrow over one and a half passing touchdowns. Stafford, two and a half passing touchdowns. You get plus 148 right now on the over. Don't mind that one. I don't mind it. I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to bet that. I'm going to go Burrow over one and a half. If I had to do that Stafford one, I'd do that. Um, you're getting plus money and a lot of plus money at that. So I dig that one. Love Tyler Boyd over 39 and a half yards. I think that we talked about why the coverage is as it pertains to him. I think that's a great thing. I also will say um, I like Cam Akers at over 16 and a half receiving yards. Love that one. We're minus 110, pretty much, you know, standard operating procedure there. Uh, I, I like that one as well. So those are some of my favorites. I don't love the reception numbers here very much because I think, you know, Boyd over three and a half makes sense to me. Um, Cam Akers over two and a half kind of makes sense, but I, I like yardage more than the number. Because I think you know, Boyd could have two receptions and get to the 40-yard marker uh, as opposed to the rest. And then Akers could do it on one play. So that's the my favorite bets as it pertains to that. Um, and then I'll be betting the game. I'll be jumping in Discord over EliteSportsBetting.com a lot and talking about the, the first drives or the in-drive chats or I'm sorry, in-drive uh, – uh, bets to make. That's something I think will make a lot of money on right there. But I just gave you five of my favorite bets for this Super Bowl 56. There, I do think the Rams will win. I'll say the Rams win this game. I think the final score is going to wind up being 24 to 20. <laughs> That's right on the four. You just bet the four. Fuck no. I, I it could be 24, 21, 24, 22. It, it's I don't love it. So um, that's, I do think the Rams win this game. My MVP prediction is indeed Matt Stafford. Uh, it's another thing. There's no reason to bet on MVP other than the quarterbacks. They pretty much give it to the quarterbacks all the time. If you had to Cooper cup, Jamar chase, but I would not, or Aaron Donald, maybe somebody, Von Miller, who showed up in Super Bowls, won an MVP in the Super Bowl before at the Broncos. Those would be my choices. So there you go, everybody. I know short and sweet this Super Bowl preview. Hopefully we jammed a lot into it for you. Appreciate every single one. We're going to do a lot of fun things in the days and weeks ahead. Appreciate you guys downloading, listening to this podcast. Remember, you may agree or disagree with some or everything that you heard on today's episode. And that's perfectly all right because it's one man's opinion. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. See you next week. Deuces.